Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Ponder. I, I really did some soul-searching in reference to our church. The times we're in, the direction in which we are heading, our vision to rescue, develop, deploy, even how we are doing in reference to fulfilling the core values that the leadership of this church uh, put down on paper prayerfully. One, to be the church that reaches the lost. Two, to be church that helps individuals encounter his presence. I think we did that today, right? Uh, three, to be a church that walks in unity as a local body of believers. Four, to be a church that challenges everyone who calls this their home to fulfill their God-given potential. Five, to be a church that makes prayer a priority. And six, to be that church that is biblically based in their preaching. And if you want to know what those are, just go out and look on the wall. They're right out there on that wall, on those big, tall signs. We, we, we had them made for that, so you'd always keep them before you. But I even did some reminiscing about some of the successes that we have had and some of the failures as well. Those whose lives have changed as a result of the ministry that we're all a part of here at Indianola First and where maybe we could have done a better job. One thing I know for sure is that we're not a perfect church, and I am not a perfect pastor. Far from it. We all make mistakes, right? You're supposed to say amen when I say I'm not a perfect pastor. (laughs) Nobody wants to say amen. It's pastor appreciation. We're not going to say that. But I do need to say that as I was thinking about some of the wins, I was reminded by God that as a pastor, I get to see a lot of victories from the front row. I've had the privilege to witness firsthand, and I'm going to get emotional a little bit here today. I've had the privilege to witness firsthand some of the life change that has happened and is happening around here. And there are so many. There's way too many even mentioned. But I'm going to mention a few anyway. Man, Matt, Coke, Bree, I don't know where Bree's at today, but watching you guys grow in Christ over the last like six years, what an honor it's been to see God do in you what he's done. What an amazing thing. I think of Mac and Libby. I don't know where they're sitting. I, see, I saw them earlier. But I think of Mac and Libby and the faith in your hearts that was birthed out of tragedy. And some of you don't, I, I know this is really a personal kind of thing that I'm doing here this morning. And if you're watching online or if you're here for the first time, you might not know these names and that's okay. Just, just, just hang in there. But Mac and Libby, man, your faith just being birthed out of that place of tragedy and the death of your little Maddie. I see Tony and Molly and remember how they wandered in here on a day when we had very few in church because it was very snowy conditions. I think it was a blizzard and we were really contemplating closing and here new people showed up and they've never really missed since. Like it's on one hand in years that they've missed. I've seen countless people go through the loss of a loved one in this place particularly the spouse, and, and watch them as they have held on tight to the Lord's hand and he's led them through the grief, the pain. I've gotten a front row, to see, a front row seat to that. To see Brian and Rose Houston, wow, walk into this church and, 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 a witness, and, and witness the, the leadership just beginning to ooze out of them as they have submitted themselves to Jesus. It's awesome. I think of individuals who have had to walk the road of divorce because it always takes two to make it work, right? 
And when one individual decides they're done, it often falls apart. But seeing the strength in those that got left holding the bag, the strength of Jesus just shining through them, wow. Who can say that our God isn't who he says he is? We've had some tough funerals around here, but we have also had some amazing homegoings at the same time. The ups and the downs of this earthly life can feel like a roller coaster sometimes, but looking back, it's easy to see his hand has been upon it all, gently pulling us towards himself, carrying us when we needed to be carried. Always there, always by our side, cheering us on, always loving us enough to carefully rub the rough edges off as we walk through those painful seasons in life. It's hard for me to even comprehend all the the victories that Jesus has accomplished in this family, this church family, the addictions that have been broken. Hallelujah. The healings that have taken place physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I've even witnessed uh, the prodigals coming home. I've seen them come to Christ. I've seen them walk away from Christ, and I've seen them come back. I love you, Spencer. I've gotten a front, row seat of some of that, a front row seat to some of that stuff. It's been an amazing thing to watch. What an honor, what a joy it is to serve in the role of pastor. But as much as Jesus has done, as much as he has accomplished in and through us as a church family, there is more to be done, much more. Looking back, there is one thing that every, that, that, that every victory story in this church has in common, someone reached out to that person. Not reached out and necessarily sharing the gospel, although that has happened at some point in probably every one of them, but reached out in love. I'm talking about that initial contact, that initial reaching out with a heart that says, I love you and I care about you and you matter. Scott and Amir are in this church family because someone reached out and invited them to come check it out. Corey and Stacy are here because someone reached out to them. Chuck Karras probably wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for this church as a whole reaching out to him. All of us, before we start experiencing victories in Jesus, we can trace it all back to someone reaching out to us in some way or another. It's what God's people just do. We reach out. They reach out and love to everyone around them so that someone's heart might be softened enough to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, of course, did this, right? He did it all the time. He reached out to those around him. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Did you see what happened there? When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. He went to a solitary place. He found some place to be alone. He was overwhelmed. And I'm going to tell you what he was overwhelmed by in just a second. He left and, and as he was going, people said, hey, he's going over here. Let's go over there. Let's see him over there. He was trying to get away from people. And when he got there, he ministered them and he healed their sick. He had compassion on them. He healed their sick. And then they got hungry because it got late. And he said, don't send them away. Let, let's feed them. 
Pick it up at verse 16. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. How are we going to feed that? How are we going to feed that crowd, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate. They all ate and were satisfied. How many have ever eaten, eaten until you were satisfied? I mean, you just kept shoveling it in until you were full. Isn't that what Thanksgiving's all about or something like that? You know why they make this top button on your jeans? So you can pop it open when you eat too much. I think that's why anyway. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000. This story is very familiar to you. That was 5,000 men, by the way. That didn't include women and children. So Jesus taught only, not only taught them and healed them, he fed them. He ministered to their whole being, body, soul, and spirit. And what, what's really interesting about, to me about this passage is when he did it. Go back to that first verse. I said I was going to. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What did Jesus hear? What happened in Jesus' personal life just prior to him having compassion on these crowds that followed him to the solitary place? He found out that his cousin and his friend, his supporter, someone he loved very much, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. There's something very profound in the sequence, the sequence of historical events here. When Jesus was going through it, when he was feeling the crushing weight of grief and loss, when his faith was being tested like it had never been tested before, at least up until that point. I mean, John the Baptist, this was his forerunner, the man who openly proclaimed him as Christ. This was the man who was found worthy enough to, to be the one who baptized Jesus. He was his family member and very close friend. It had to have felt like defeat. Like something had gone very wrong. It was certainly horrible news for Jesus to hear. And yet, in his effort to retreat to a solitary place, he didn't retreat so far into a place of emotional solitude as to ignore those who were hurting around him. Because as they went there and even got to the place he was going ahead of him, they came from all the towns. They came around. They heard he was going to be there. He had compassion on them. Now, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but sometimes people annoy me. <laughs> Have you ever been annoyed by another person? Two people raise their hand. The rest of you are liars, right? <laughs> annoyed. Don't want to be around them. Shut my door. Lock it. I mean, I remember, and, and we, we have this little room, it's kind of like a, a, a storage area in our basement that we carpeted and put a few finishes in it and uh, turned it into like a theater room and 
it's not big money to make a theater room. You can get a projector for 400 bucks, cheaper than a TV, and then you can make your own screen for less than 100 bucks. And it's like, Denny has a big TV, but I have a bigger TV than Denny. I just want you to know. My, my screen's 10 feet wide, and it only cost me like 500 bucks to have that. So, right? So we have this theater room, and it's, it's awesome. And it's so dark. There's no windows, and we close the door, and we turn on uh, a movie or a game, and, you know, turn on all the lights in the house, right? Nobody, nobody thinks we're home. And I just turn off all the lights and go down there and just veg for hours. Solitude. Nobody can find me. <laughs> right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's okay to have times where you're away from people. Jesus did it all the time. But you know what? When people need you, even when it conflicts with that moment that you need to be alone, there's, a, there's an example he gives us here that you care about people more than yourself in those moments. He reached out to them, even though I'm sure he didn't feel like it. How many of you have ever wanted to just put a barricade across your driveway out in the country and say, you, you know, no one allowed? And I, there, there's a, I was just, I guess it's east of town. I was on some gravel road this couple, several years ago. I was on some gravel road, and then I, I seen like this road. It was like a driveway, and there was a lot of trees, and I couldn't see way back up in there. But there was a sign right at the end of the, of the driveway. I think it was a driveway. And, and there was a mailbox, so I assumed it was. But the sign said, if you're reading this, you're within range. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I feel like that sometimes. I think we all do. Jesus even felt that way, didn't he? But he never let it stop him in having compassion on the people who needed him most. He reached out in spite of that. You know, we're to be imitators of God. And this may be one of the most difficult things in Christ's life for us to imitate. When everything within us wants to retreat and stay away from everyone else, that's when we need to put on our big boy and big girl pants and reach out anyway. When we do, two things are bound to happen. Number one, your life will change. In reaching out to others, there's this wonderful thing that begins to happen. God gives us strength that we didn't think we had. And it's exactly the amount of strength and the kind of strength that we need to overcome our own circumstance, whatever we find ourselves in, our own pain, our own grief, even the suffering that we find ourselves experiencing at that moment. There's just something that happens when we reach out in the midst of our own struggles. It's like you're making a statement of faith that you know God has got you and everything is going to be all right. I don't feel like this right now. I don't feel like reaching out to anybody. I don't feel like, like any of that in this moment. But I'm going to do it anyway because I know God's got my back and he's going to take care of me. It's like an act of faith. Now understand, I, I, I get this. You have to be in a healthy place to effectively reach out to those around you. But being unhealthy, spiritually speaking, isn't the same thing as going through trying times. We all go through trying times. Trying times will come to the spiritually unhealthy as well as the spiritually healthy. But we can effectively reach out and minister to serve others in the midst of our trying moments, our pain, even our suffering, if we are in a place of spiritual health. And I believe that reaching out in those times is our, again, our act of faith, especially in the midst of that pain and the, that, that, that act of 
that act of, of faith will trigger the Lord's hand in moving within our lives and even bring us to a place of victory. There's something about when you're feeling like it's just, life's tough, man. Life's difficult. Things are a struggle. It's hard. And you stop playing the fiddle for yourself for a moment. And you worry about others. All of a sudden, that which you've been struggling with doesn't seem to be as big of a struggle. And you're kind of catapulted up on top. You know, there's, I, I shouldn't say this, but, you know, I'm out of practice in the pulpit, so I'm just going to say it. You know that saying where you're up a certain creek without a paddle? That feel, life feels like that sometimes, right? But you know what? If you'll focus not on the creek and what's, it, what it's made of, <laughs> okay, you following me? You smell what I'm swimming in here? Okay. If you'll just focus on someone else and what they need and their hurt because you are the hands and feet of Jesus and that's more important in that moment sometimes than you playing the little fiddle for yourself and crying about what you're going through, I'm telling you what will happen. God will, hide, will, will, will lift you up and you'll hydroplane right on the top of all that muck. Being spiritually healthy is so important to this. You can't, you, you can't lead others to a place that you are unwilling to go yourself. So you've got to be healthy to repu, replicate or be a part of replicating healthy Christians. It just doesn't, it doesn't work to, to be in an unhealthy place spiritually. And what I mean by that is, is you're just not right with God. I'm not talking about that. I, I want to make a differentiation, I differentiate between those two things, right? And understand something. Focusing on self is okay. We have to do that sometimes. I, I'm not throwing that to the wind. Just like everything else we talk about around here, it always is balance, right? It always comes back to balance. Got to take care of myself, make sure I'm spiritually healthy, make sure I'm walking. But sometimes we get so focused on that, we forget to reach out. Sometimes people reach out so much, they don't look at themselves and say, I need to get spiritually healthy. So where are you at? I don't know where you're at. But it does take balance. In the midst of one of Jesus' most trying moments, at least up until this point in his life, he reached out to the masses. Church, so many Christians are either, again, wrapped up in trying to work on themselves and make sense of the pain, suffering, and the circumstance they find themselves in, that they, they miss one of the most basic ways to achieve victory over those things, to reach out to others. And again, I'm, I'm, not, uh, yeah, I'm not saying focusing on yourself is a bad thing at all. We have to have those times of introspection, but not at the expense of reaching out to others. So number one, your life will change. If you reach out to others, you will find that your life will change. Things will move in your life. Number two, lives will change around you when you reach out. There will be changed lives. Those, those we reach will, out to will find Christ. Not, not all of them, but, but some of them will. One thing's for sure, the more of the kingdom of God that we bring to others, the greater chance that they will have to become a part of that kingdom. Romans 10, 14 through 21 says this, how then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him who, whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. 
reaching out to the others may not be the same as preaching the gospel to them, but reaching out with the love of Christ because of who you are in him, that's tilling up the soil of other people's hearts around you. That's preparing their heart, being a part of preparing their heart for the word of God that will be planted in there eventually. Understand that God does it all. We just get to be a part of the process, right? And some will be a part of preparing the soil. Some will be instrumental in planting the seed of God's word. And some will be a part of the harvest. Some will be a part of cultivating. You may even be used in more than one of these things and and in these ways. But that's why we need the whole body of Christ. It's amazing to me, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word changes people, church. It changed you, it changed me, it just does. Even if, by their own decision of free will, they reject it, it still changes them, and that it makes them accountable to the truth. God's word changes people. If it's received and continues to be received by an individual, it will start them down a path of complete change from the inside out. How many have been changed from the inside out? It's an awesome thing, right? They'll walk in the very promise of becoming a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And, and it all can begin with someone simply reaching out to them. It's impossible for you to live a life that continually reaches out to others without seeing lives changed. It's just automatic. If you reach out, you will eventually see the fruit of that. So, so let, let's assume that you're spiritually healthy, that you're on fire um, as a believer, on fire for God. Let's assume that you're full of God's word, that you're prayed up, and that you're wanting and ready to reach out to others. How do you do it? There's many ways to reach out to others And there's as many ways as God-given ideas within our hearts. There's millions of ways. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Talking about reaching out here. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and, and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did you, we, we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And we know what happens to those that didn't do any of that. As you read on in that scripture. So how do you reach out? I mean, there's a million ways. Listed some of them there. How about being nice to a waiter or waitress? Even when they're not doing the best job. Maybe they're having a bad day. That's reaching out. Well, that's not reaching out with the gospel. It's preparing someone's heart so that the gospel will be effective when it's planted in their hearts. Smiling at someone 
Do you know the power of a smile? Walking through someplace public and just making eye contact with people, you know, walking along, you're strolling, and you see a guy like Eric, kind of scary and intimidating, and you just, you just flash him a smile. He smiled right away. Do you know the power of a smile? It can change the trajectory of someone's whole day just because someone smiled at them. It's so simple, church. How do we reach out? In a million ways. How about simply, again, smiling at others and being purposeful about not frowning? How many Christians are like, get out of my way. I don't have to act like Jesus. It's not Sunday. They don't say that, but that's how they act. How about giving to the poor, helping the elderly, visiting the sick? That's reaching out. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's pure religion. There's a million ways to reach out. How about putting forth the energy and finances to throw a beggar's night party that is safe for kids and families for a whole community? That's reaching out. You know, if you miss tonight because you have to, I mean, if, if, not just because you don't want to be around crowds. That, let me back up. You're crazy if you don't come to this place tonight. Now, I understand there's some, uh, I don't know if I can walk through that all and all that. There's a lot of people. I, I get some of that. But if you can possibly physically do it, you ought to be here smiling at people and talking to people. This is outreach. This is Indianola First telling the whole town that we love you and we're going to make a night that's really fun for you and your kids. And I see it on Facebook all the time. Someone said, hey, what's that? I think it's a church that puts on this really cool thing. I saw that on Facebook on some page, Indianola page or mom's page or something. It's like, and then the, all these people started chiming in. And none of them were people I knew. That's a church reaching out. This place should be like a beacon of light in this community. And it starts with loving people right where they're at. Well, you're going to have this event. You're not even going to play Christian music. You're right, I'm not. You're not going to have any Bible characters out there. We could someday, but we're not this time. I don't feel the need to cram Jesus down people's throat. I don't feel the need to pressure people into a relationship with Jesus. You know why? Because if we love them enough, if we reach out to them enough, they'll be begging to have what we have. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. I love this event that we do. It's just, it's just so fun. I mean, if you haven't seen Devin act like uh, Cruella DeVille, you're just missing it. There's an anointing upon her to do that. She's even wearing white and black today. So it's just, you're getting into character already. I mean, where's, where's, uh, where's uh, Chuck, Car Chuck Harris? Where's he? Is he here today? He better be here. He's not here today. Oh, okay, bummer. He is going to dress up. Chuck. You know Chuck? That guy? Kind of talks like this. Stone Cold Steve Austin, same guy, I think. He's going to dress up like Jafar. I mean, he kind of looks like him, right? 
I said, you just have to walk with a crabby face. He goes, oh, I can do that. So. <laughs> I mean, this is a fun, fun night. And you know what I love about this night more than anything else? We talk about this as pastoral staff all the time, every year. It is the night where so many fringe people, people who kind of connected here but haven't really connected, maybe people who were here for a while and they kind of drifted away, they come to this event with their kids and we get to reconnect with them as a church family. Do you know how huge that is? They wouldn't come to probably a service. That might be a little too intimidating. Uh, we haven't gone there for a while. Now we feel weird going. Like someone's going to say, where have you been? You know, uh, that was Chuck's voice again. I don't know why I did that. But anyway, <laughs> but they could come to something like this in our parking lot. And if we're all walking around just loving on people, I'm telling you what, that's pure religion. That is, I, I'm not talking about man's religion. That, that man's religion is, I don't want any part of that, right? but pure, unadulterated, what we're supposed to be doing kind of stuff, reaching out. How about um, giving someone a ride to church or to their doctor's appointment? That's reaching out. Going on a missions trip, that's reaching out. Being aware of what your neighbors are going through and offering assistance, that's reaching out. Inviting someone out for coffee just to be a listening ear to them and not say a word, just let them dump on you a little bit because they need somebody. You have Jesus, you're strong enough to take it, right? You can hear it, you can hold it, you don't have to share it all over the place, you don't have to be the person with all the advice and, and all of a sudden become their counselor, just listen, right? That's reaching out. Laying hands on and praying the prayer of faith for those that need healing outside these four walls. That's reaching out. Bringing someone a meal when you know it will be a real blessing for them. That's reaching out. Building up everyone around you, leaving them better than when you found them. That's reaching out. Being Jesus, no matter where you go, it never shuts off. It's always on. Walking through the store, being at the gas station, in a restaurant, in the church. It'd be nice if people act like Jesus in the church. But being Jesus wherever you go, that's reaching out. That's being his hands and feet. We say being Jesus with skin on because this person's gone and it's just Jesus they see, right? Reaching out can certainly involve the, the being used in the gifts of the Spirit, having a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge in the very moment that is needed in someone's life. That's reaching out. All these ways, all these things. There's a million ways to reach out. But so often we just go through the day. We do our thing. Bless God. We, we read our Bible. We, we pray. We, we, we do what we have to do. And I think the last statistic I heard on this, 85% of all Christians, I think it's probably higher, have never led another person to the Lord. Are you kidding me? And I'm not trying to put condemnation on anybody. It is so easy. Well, I wouldn't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. Just reach out. Just love them. I, I don't take any credit for Matt. Zero. God did a work in him. But you know, I, I, I built a house over here several years ago, seven years ago now, and you were building across the street at the same time, and every once in a while we'd see each other at our job sites and we'd say, hey, hey. And then we moved into our houses, they were done, and another, some other time came by, and, and you're like, you're like one, one time you just stopped by and you said, man, I, I just, 
you, you kind of hinted to me that you were going through some stuff. And I think you knew that I was a pastor and maybe I could help. And I'm just like, man, you got you to come, come to church sometime. I didn't even really, do, I didn't really even go to his door. I'm like, I would like to talk to you about Jesus. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. I was just a good neighbor and I listened. And I thought, at one point, the door opened and, and I said, you need to get your butt in church and your whole family there. Well, you waited until the first of the year that year because you don't do anything until the first of the year. That's when you make big changes in your life, right? So you waited a couple months. And then he marched right down here and he sat like in the front row because Matt's the kind of guy that if you're going to do something, you're going to do it all the way. I didn't do anything. But I've gotten to watch for seven years my neighbor become a life group leader. And I'm not just picking on him. I, I, their marriage being stronger than it's ever been. Your kids are awesome, they're loving God, and growing up in the youth group. It's amazing to watch. And, and what did I do? Nothing. I was just nice. What can you do? Lots. It's opportunities are all around you all the time. And, and here's the deal. I'm going to tag on to Pastor Jared's messages regarding the kingdom of God and, and say this. Reaching out to others is absolutely the byproduct of being kingdom people. If you are a citizen of his kingdom, reaching out is not so much of a mandate as it is an outflow of who you are. I can't say that strong enough. It's not like, okay, let me check this box. I've got to reach out today. Let's see, hmm, who shall I reach out to? It's not like that. You're a citizen of the kingdom, and it just flows out of you like crazy. And everybody that you come in contact with is somehow feels the kingdom of God. They've just experienced that. It's so cool how God does it through us and in us. Anyone can do good works, right? But only kingdom people can reach out in a way that draws people into a relationship with Jesus. And, and that relationship changes them from the inside out forever. It changes them. And by the very nature of who you are becoming in Christ, you will entice those you reach out to. If you're growing, you'll reach people. You will be used by God to draw them into the very righteousness of Christ itself. And, and church, let me thank you today. Let me give you some praise for being the kind of church that truly reaches out to those around us. I know you are because there's so many stories of victory that are, are a direct result of you all reaching out. Even the fact that this church lets us do an event like the parade party, I think, well, why wouldn't we let you do that? Exactly. Because there's a lot of churches that would never do anything like this. I talked to a large church just recently, and I said something about that. Because oh, we never do anything on near Halloween that would be viewed as, you know, celebrating the devil's holiday. I'm so sick of the devil trying to tell us what we can and cannot do. He might think he has a holiday that day, but I'm taking it back and we're making it ours, right? I mean, I'm just not going to put up with that. I, I don't do things because the devil, right? I do things because I am who I am, and we do things as a church because we are who we are in Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, but the devil, yeah, but the devil. I like what uh, happened when he showed up at Smith Wigglesworth at the end of his bed one night, and Smith Wigglesworth woke up, and he saw the devil right there at the end of his bed, and he said, oh, it's only you, and he rolled back over and went to sleep. <laughs> Not saying the devil isn't somebody that we shouldn't, 
respect and his ability to get us, but I'm not just gonna, I'm, we're not gonna do things according to what he wants. Just not gonna do that. I wanna love people, and this is a great opportunity to do it, and that's what we're gonna do. I wanna encourage you today, start thinking about reaching out. Let God dream his dreams through you as you pray about how he might use you. It, this is an exciting life, Christian, the Christian life. We're not a bunch of crabby people who are waiting for the end of the world, having this little holy huddles and talking about how this is bad and this is bad and that's bad and blah, 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 blah. We live the most adventurous, exciting life of anybody on this planet. We often pray for revival, and that's a worthy and important prayer. But what is revival anyway? Simply put, it's bringing back to life something that used to be alive but now is dead. It's reviving. And when dormant Christians who have fallen into dead religion are revived in their relationship with Christ, and they begin to operate as citizens of his kingdom and not just current residents of this world, look out. I thought about that so many times when Pastor Jared was preaching. Man, we need to walk as citizens of heaven. We need to walk in that. You know, and what happens when we do is we'll be like a thousand brush fires and not just a, a group huddled around one bonfire. Does that make sense to you? I mean, a bonfire is great. Don't get me wrong. It's good for heat. It's good for light. It's, it's comforting to be around. We can all come together and huddle and be like, yeah, the bonfire. Woo. One thing about a bonfire, it's usually pretty contained and controlled. Brush fires, they sweep across the landscape. Now, if we're talking about a thousand Christians being on fire in a way that sweeps across our land and ignites thousands of more to become on fire for Jesus, I'm all in. Let that fire burn, baby. Right? I mean, we can be the church that huddles around a bonfire and says, hey, come join us. It's a really nice bonfire. You want a s'more? <laughs> or we can go out of here like the missionaries were called to be in this place, in our land, in our circle of influence, and we can be like a thousand brush fires that just ignite everything to me that's revival that's that's when it just sweeps across the land i don't believe we have a lot of time before jesus returns i know we've heard that before we've heard it for years but truly there are things happening within our world and its systems that are pointing to the fact that we are closer than we have ever been and i hear so many christians say did you hear about this it's pretty scary I'm excited. Jesus is coming back. And what do I do with that? I, I, I get around my bonfire and I go, come on, let's just celebrate. Jesus is coming back. No, I want to be like a thousand brush fires so that we take as many people with us as we possibly can. Right? Why would we want anything different? There's an urgency within my soul to reach out as a church in any way that we can, as individuals and as a church together. We need to adopt that thousand brush fire mentality and not just sit back and relax around our comfortable church bonfire I, I know talking about spiritual things and remaining doctrinally sound is so important but hear me today I, I, i'm not speaking against sound doctrine okay don't don't accuse me of that but i'm feeling a bit like the apostle paul when he said i don't really care about all the details and all this stuff i just i, I resolve to know nothing but christ and him crucified what else matters? You know, I'm, I'm not an academic. I'm, I'm not a brainiac. Th that's not who God has made me to be. 
I'm just kind of the guy who sort of sees a big picture and is just all in. I've always been that way. I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to be able to say all the right things and do all the right. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not dissing academics and, and people who go there, but sometimes they get so caught up in that stuff that they miss the big picture. I just want to see people get saved. Time is short. It's really short. It's time for us to rise up, to be on fire enough to ignite somebody else, to reach out to them in any way that we can. And and, and instead of, of, of pontificating about all the truths that we may have discovered, there's nothing so spiritually raw and organic as sinners coming to Christ. I love that. I just want to see people get saved. And they don't know how much, they don't, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So reach out to them, and when there's an opening, share the gospel. You'll have tons of openings, trust me. But reach out to them in any way you can. Pray that God would give you ideas. I pray right now that he would keep you up at night giving you ideas. How dare you pray that, Pastor Barry? <laughs> Let me tell you what, you don't need any sleep when you're energized by seeing someone's life change because you reached out to them. You just don't need as much sleep. Well, I need a solid 12 hours a day. It's because you sleep too much. I was thinking about this message last night, late, praying through it. I think I got four hours of sleep, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm excited. Tonight's going to be a great night. I'm going to have a lot of energy tonight. I'm not even going to nap this afternoon because we got to work out here this afternoon. We got to set the whole parking lot up. Church, are you ready to be that kind of family that reaches out? I think we're. I think we are already that. I'm just here to pour gasoline on the fire because I'm a little bit of a pyro. Love this church. I love what we're doing. And I know we're going to do a lot more of it together. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we give you our hands and feet, our talents, our gifts, our finances, our energy, our very lives, everything that we have, all of our resources, whatever they might be. God, we give them all to you today. And we say, God, use us like never before. Help us to reach out in little ways and big ways and everything between. Help us be the kind of Christians that are like brush fires all over the place and not just the holy huddle gathering around the bonfire. There's a time for that. There's a place for that probably. But Lord, the time is short right now and we need to be moving about our circles of influence, pulling people in, snatching them from literally flames. Hell's a real place. We don't want anybody to go there. You don't want anybody to go there. So God, we say, use us. We make ourselves available to you. Help us not be annoyed by people, God. Help us see that even in the midst of of living in this world and going through struggles and, and circumstances and even pain and grief and some of the things we have to go through because we're in this world, help us not become so focused on those things that we miss the joy of reaching out to others. 
God, I pray for an anointing on us. I pray for a supernatural anointing on this property tonight. God, for you to do incredible things as we love on people. Open doors in people's hearts that we can minister to them in other ways. And we can pull them in and draw them in. Lord, not, not to this church, but to you, to the church. was a, a song that was just quickened to my heart as I was praying and I was sharing this the, the lyrics of the song with with Aiden uh, Hunterdoss the other day and we were I was just telling him about Keith Green he had never heard of Keith Green Keith Green was a pretty powerful preacher singer and he always had these these messages within a song that were so they were so in your face and I, I, I kind of like that because I, I just like to be told straight up but one of the songs, the, the song that was quickened to me was the, the lyrics go, it was a kind of a prayerful song. It, it said, my eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, but I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. When that song is true within our hearts, reaching out, it's just part of who you are. So let's do it. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.